Well, welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you today. Of course, packed program. Want to get rolling on things right away. Today's program, I've given a title, Why Are We Where We Are? Why Are We Where We Are? And no, you, you don't have to look at the Democrats. Don't have to look at the Republicans. You don't have to look at your neighbor. Some of us, including myself, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror. Most of all, we need to look at the churches and what is going on with what has become an, an, an incredibly lame, ineffective, and destructive alleged pastorate in this country. What does Scripture say? Judgment begins where? At the house of God. We are where we are. Why can we not keep a republic? Because we didn't keep our first estate. We didn't. We didn't keep our first obligation as a nation, and that is to uphold the Word of God. We're going to get to it in a little bit. I'm going to go through some things. I just need to cover uh, a few things, which if we don't, they're gone forever. You may know about them. You may not. But here we go. So hang on. Uh, California, the billboards that I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago are up in California. I'm sorry, California. Uh, I've, I've gotten some negative feedback from my California audiences. Why do you keep cursing that state? I'm not cursing that state. The state is cursing itself. All I'm doing is pointing out, uh, as it says in Ephesians, to make known the works of darkness. It's a command to point out the works of darkness so that those uh, who are somehow influenced by that environment, now know and now are held accountable. But California is California. The abortion, pretty uh, billboards, pretty simple. Need an abortion, question mark. California is ready to help. Learn more at abortion.ca.gov. I'm not kidding. The state of California has a website dedicated to slaughtering innocent unborn children. And, of course, there's so much stupidity coming out of that state. The $233,000 that they're planning to pay to those who have been impacted by slavery, the reparations, it is so unbiblical. Uh, you know what, though? I think it's time. Maybe I should move back and claim to be transracial. You can, you can claim to be trans anything else, the new tranny. Transracial. I'm really a black guy. And so are my great, great, great grandparents who suffered under. You know what? It's such a crock of crapola. And it's clearly unbiblical. The parents don't pay the price for the sins of the children. The children don't pay the price for the sins of the parents. But if California wants to be that stupid and that sinful, that will reap what it uh, reap what it's own. 
But there's California is ready to help. That's what the billboard says. California is ready to help you slaughter innocent, unborn children. Just get them here. You make them. We scrape them. Don't feed us. We'll beat us. That is the state motto for all intents and purposes. Now, next thing I got to go. I'm going to shift gears. I know you've heard enough about COVID this and COVID that. I have too. But I got to uh, zoom through. A few things that those of you who are still clinging to the validity of the vaccine and the boosters, as your booster goes buster and you end up on your keister, uh, consider these quick three things. Top oncologist here, very top of his uh, game, Mr. Angus Dagliesh, professor of oncology, University of London. Cancer in patients is exploding after the COVID shots. This is a crap. I mean, this is a stuff that the mainstream media calls crap and calls it misinformation, while the mainstream media are the purveyors, the creators, the disseminators of misinformation. They don't want the gig to be up. After all, it's uh, they got to protect Mr. Fauci, right, and all the little Faucinistas that he's trained who recently admitted under testimony that there's absolutely zero evidence for masks being effective. Zero. Mr. Fauci, who said you ought to get two or three of them at one point in time. And then Mr. Fauci, who testified under oath that he was pressured into lockdowns by the Chinese. Isn't that interesting? So Mr. Degliesh says that the average age of death from COVID-19 in the U.K. is 82 from COVID-19, which is higher than the average age for death for all other causes, which is 81. So if you get COVID-19, you actually have a one-year additional life expectancy, according to this guy. But he says, as a practicing oncologist, I'm seeing people with stable disease rapidly progress after being forced to have a booster, usually so that they can travel. Even within my own personal context, I'm seeing B-cell-based disease after the boosters. And he goes on to link very decidedly the increase in cancers associated with the so-called vaccine, which, of course, isn't a vaccine because a vaccine is meant and defined originally before they had to change the definition to something that you it would prevent you from getting it and transmitting it. And these crapola things don't do either. Do they? No, they don't. And the CDC knew that the vaccine causes heart problems but kept quiet. Absolute truth. It has come out. The CDC has now turned over data forced by the court that shows the healthcare workers and others who were first to get the uh, fake vaccines, the COVID vaccines, suffered an extraordinarily High rate of complications. Folks, this is why Pfizer was asking for 75 years to reveal the data, because they're criminals. They have perpetrated crimes against humanity. They should be sued out of business. The CEOs and anybody in an authoritative position should be locked up for life, take the building, destroy it, get a giant wrecking ball. They need to go away. They knew there were problems. 
Next one. Autopsies are now tying deaths to the COVID vax. German study. You see, if you want to get the scoop on what the COVID crapola really amounts to, and while the vaccines are anything but legitimate, anything but safe, anything but healthy, and people say, "Well, I got the I I got the shot, I got the booster, I got and I got and I got COVID." So they admit already that Fauci was lying. The CDC, WHO was lying that you couldn't get it if you got the the shot. And then, well, you won't get it if you get the booster. Well, you won't get it if you get another booster. And and Cami No Brains Harris is out there saying uh, the other day that everybody's going to need a booster every year. I guess. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But the autopsies are showing. In, from Germany, and my point here being, I, I digressed. If you want to get the truth about this, you got to go overseas. Find the studies from Australia, from Germany, from England, from the UK. Forget America. America's stuff, uh, stuck on misinformation and deception. Oh, my gosh, it is so bad. So the study here was that they studied people who have died within 20 days of taking the jab. 71% of the people, 71% of the people who were autopsied, within 20 days of getting the jab, it was determined had a final diagnosis consistent with vaccine injury including myocardial infarction, worsening heart failure, vascular aneurysm, pulmonary embolism, fatal strokes, and vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia. So let me just give you something here. If somebody starts to give you pushback that the vaccines are safe, you just tell them of the direct link between the vaccine and vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia. They won't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And you don't know what it is. What we do know is it's bad. It will kill you. That's all you need to know, and it comes from the vaccine. Last on this particular point. You are sadly either negligently or intentionally uneducated if you do not watch the documentary Died Suddenly. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you up. I didn't see it until, you know, a short time ago, and I've watched it a couple of times. I've passed it on. It is, irre- it is irrefutable, the information. It is undeniable. And if you don't watch it, you're on your own. If you want to go out and get a booster and, and watch that booster turn into a buster and you exit prematurely and you don't fulfill God's desire and plans for you on this planet, well, then skip this. But if when you see this, you will know that the fix is in by Pfizer and by Moderna. And I want to thank a listener... He knows who he is in Michigan, who sent me this little, uh, little, uh, I don't know what you call it, little factoid, little blurb. 
He texted me here the other day, and it says as follows. It is so true. Pfizer has put out a warning that a fourth booster shot may be needed for those who haven't yet died. You know, I heard a theory the other day. I don't I don't say that I attest to this theory. I'm just going to throw it out there for consideration. Is it possible that these deaths are intentional? But the but the question and I I I've, I've asked that myself because you got the anti-population, the people haters, the purple people eaters, if you will, out there in this world from Bill Gates uh, to Soros to Klaus Schwab on down, is it possible that, and this I was wondering, that this was in design to kill people? Well, I have put that notion aside because I thought if it was, we would have a higher kill ratio. And then a person who I know very, very well asked me the probing question, is it possible that the vaccines that were distributed only maybe one in 50 or one in 100 or one in 200 actually were infused with the ability to kill people in some cases. Otherwise, it would be very, very obvious that they're out to kill people. But if you only kill a few at a time and then you kill more with the next booster, and then the more with the next booster, and then the more with the next booster. I know it sounds like a conspiracy theory, does it? And I'm not saying I'm buying it at this point. It was just a very, very intriguing, interesting question. Is it possible? The fact, if this is demonic, and I think that it is, Satan is smart. His goose is cooked in the end, but he's not stupid. So... I'm just kind of praying about this. Is it, and God, show me more if there is something to this. All I know that is that if you continue to take boosters, you're playing Russian roulette. Okay, moving on. The crime that's out of control. The, the crime that was instigated, fueled, funneled, condoned by Democrats in all the Democrat cities. Um. I wanted to give you some good news about uh, the gun sales and things which are going through the roof. I, I love people being armed and armed to the teeth. They should be, especially when you've got a bunch of thugs like the FBI running the FBI. But there's a gas station owner, and we'll give this guy his kudos. He's a victim of the leftists and the Democrats defund the police movement in Philadelphia. He's been robbed. He's been vandalized so many times he finally said, screw it. I am getting guards. I'm going to arm them with AR-15s, a gun that Joey No Brains Biden said nobody needs, that the FBI doesn't want you to have, that the ATF thinks that you're somehow a domestic terrorist. Well, guess what? This gas station owner has not been robbed. Neil Patel, that's his name. I've never been robbed, says Neil. I have been vandalized. Not since I got my boys out there with AR-15s. Nobody's touching this place or we're going to pop their cork. And it's working. Hey, Democrats, cause the problem. Funnel the problem. Fuel the problem. Subsidize the problem. 
put in um, prosecutors who won't prosecute the problem and then get all ballistic about those who want to deal with the problem that they caused. My goodness sakes. It is that bad, you guys. It really is. I mean, F, the ex-FBI agent who um, was r center, center point behind the Russian collusion hoax, who is going to court to try to block Elon Musk from releasing the Twitter files because his goose is cooked. Yeah. Newsweek. Newsweek of all people. Who comes out and says that the FBI is on a terror against mega extremists, as they call. That the... Uh, uh, Art Moore here calls it the FBI is cooking the books to portray supporters of former President Trump as the nation's number one domestic terrorism threat. So the Newsweek reported that, quote, FBI ramps up spending to fight mega terrorism, end quote. That's the FBI. Government paid thugs. If you got an FBI agent living next to you or near you. Marginalize him. Tell him what a crappy company he works for. Seriously. The magazine said that, according to FBI documents and government specialists, the Bureau, quote, is conducting three times as many domestic terrorism investigations than it was just five years ago. All of the domestic terrorism investigations are going sky high. But 70% of it is focused upon alleged anti-government activity. Well, let me ask you, government FBI thugs, what is anti-government activity when BLM and Antifa burn a courthouse, when they ransack and vandalize police stations? Aren't those all anti-government activities? You only got one to even possibly talk about, and that's January 6th, where all of your thug buddies embedded themselves within the January 6th crowd. The official of the FBI said, we're not partisan. But the right-wing-oriented suspected terrorists account now for more than 80% of all cases in the anti-government category, when in reality, the left under Donald Trump, were the quintessential anti-government terrorists. And you know what? It's so bad. The crime is so bad. Walmart, I'm going to get to in a minute, a little deeper. They're closing stores left and right in big cities run by Democrats. The big cities that funded, the defund the police movement, the George Soros prosecutors, the cashless bail, California, steal everything you want, up to $969, and it's a parking ticket. Walmart is closing stores left and right. Now, I want to tell you, I'm actually thrilled with Walmart closing stores left and right. I do still shop there, less so all the time. I focus most of my acquisition. Well, I don't want to get into that. 
But Walmart, Walmart, Sam Walton, Fayetteville, Arkansas, the good old boys. There is a group of people that are funding the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ agenda just as much as the wokesters at Disney. And who are they? The Walton family. The Walton Foundation. Getting lots of attention. The heirs of Walmart founder Sam Walton have given millions and millions of dollars to queer causes, tranny causes, and, and events in their home state of Arkansas. They're trying to homosexualize the state of Arkansas. Walton's daughter, Alice Walton, her grandson, Tommy Walton, along with Tommy's wife, Olivia, spearhead these initiatives, according to World Net Daily, to homosexualize, transsexualize, and destroy the youth of a Bible Belt state of Arkansas. Now, I want to point out a couple of things here. I hope I got time to get to my main story. I'll try. There's a couple of lessons here. I got to slip in. How do you leave your money? Everybody listening to this program, including me, yours truly, we're all going to croak. We're all going to give it up. We're all going to kick the bucket. We're all going to say adios to this world. And there's many of us who may be thrilled to exit, depending on just how bad it gets. But I've been called to just such a time as this, so I thank God for leaving me here to finish a job he's assigned to me. But how do you leave your money? I have said, you know, I want to tell you, I had a dream the other night. It was not a prophetic dream because every other dream I had the other night was really screwed up. But in one of these, my one of my sons came to me and said, Dad, I've become a liberal. Now, there is no way in the world this would happen. But in the dream, I was so horrified. It shook me. It woke. It, I, I came out of that dream as I would come out of a nightmare where I've got some thief, some thug, some, some thug holding a knife to my throat or an FBI agent, a gun to my head. I was horrified at just him saying that. Because I was horrified in the dream because I was going to happen, not only because of what was going to happen, but what it was going to compel me to do and what I've said in this program. That if any of my children or grandchildren, I would, would go left, turn against God, they're out of my will. They're out. Sorry. Too bad. So sad. I will not subsidize the devil's work. And if it would happen through my own children and grandchildren, they're out. They're iced in the Walter estate plan. Now, I don't have a family foundation. I'm, I don't have that kind of money. I got a foundation, but my foundation's in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. My second foundation sits underneath my house. But if I had a foundation, this is why I don't believe in uh, endowments anymore. All you do is set up organizations to be and be able to act, listen to this. If you've got some great Christian organization that wants you to endow the organization, don't do it. 
help them with their current needs. Current needs. All an endowment does is allow the organization to say goodbye to its donors because they don't need your money anymore as they move leftward into the pit of hell. It's happened with all kinds of college, colleges and universities and organizations. Goodness sakes, I mean, what happened to American, what is it, the American Family Doll? Not the American Fam Family Foundation, uh, but the American Family Doll Makers. What did they do the other day? They came out with their pro tranny book encouraging the American, or is it American Doll or American Family Doll? I can't remember right now. I, I didn't prepare for this. It just popped into my head. But if you've got what, don't buy them anymore. And tell them, no way on earth are we going to buy your stinking, stupid, Christian-hating, Satan-loving, child-destroying dolls and pave the way for you to help destroy America's innocent children. They're telling girls now that they may want to go out and get puberty blockers until they're old enough to make a decision as to what sex they want to be. I couldn't care less of this company's offices and factories burned to the ground. I'm not encouraging anybody to burn them to the ground. I'm just saying I don't care if they did. I don't care if God sends a lightning strike and torches a place. I don't want anybody to get hurt. They probably got a lot of great employees that are twisting and turning in their underwear under the anxiety of working for an organization that they thought was a great organization and now is turning out to be a representative and uh, of the pit of hell. Well, all right, I got to move on. I got to I got to cut that one short or I'm going to run out of time. Anthony Becerra. No, not Anthony. What is his name? Xavier. Javier. Xavier. However you want to pronounce X-A-V-I-E-R. You got two choices. Xavier and Javier. Becerra, the loser. Attorney General. That's now the head of the Human Health and Human Services, but a former Attorney General State of California. Following loser Cammy Harris came out very outspokenly the other day and said, taxpayer money absolutely should be allocated and dedicated for bodily mutilating sex change surgeries for kids. Yep, that's right. Taxpayers should pay for chemical castration and sex change operations. And doctors actually should be forced to perform sex change operations on minor children without parents' consent. And so the Biden-Harris uh, team from hell, the hell team, here supports the release of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health and Standards of Care. Boy, Enjoy hell, you guys. So now, to the question, how on earth did we get here? How could so much go so bad in our lifetime? And not just in our lifetime, but in the last 10 years, in the last five years. We're going to come up to a break here in a minute, but I want to open this with this comment that I made 
this comment several times during Donald Trump's administration, and particularly towards the end of the administration. And it is this. While he did great things, and he could only do so much, if America did not really truly repent and start by cleaning and cleansing America's pulpits of every piece of piece of crap, faking it as ministers of righteousness. If America doesn't do that, everything Trump did and was doing at the time would ultimately all be for naught. It would not hold up. The country without a return to righteousness can have no return to economic prosperity, could have no return to good schools, could have no return to um, solid and secure borders, could have no return to a sound and strong and imposing military. It all goes down the same rat hole if the country is stuck and purposed on exporting sin, as was Obama, and Biden is Obama 2.0, pushing abortion, queerdom, trannyism on countries around us. It all goes downhill. What I said turned out to be prophetic, but we're going to dig down in just a minute. Don't go away. Robin Walters. I'll be right back. The Robin Walters Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Of a home prepared where the saints abide, just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side, just over in the glory land. Over in the glory land. Ah, yeah, over in the glory land. Is that where we all want to be someday? You know, before I go further in this thing, I love this country. I wish I still had the letter from J. Edgar Hoover that I got when I was 10 years old. When I wrote to him personally, I got to add a signed letter from him, told him I wanted to be in the FBI. I didn't get there. I went to law school later in life. Not that you had to go to law school to get join the FBI. But I went to law school a little later in life. I tried something else first, the insurance, and I hated that. And then I actually applied and was accepted to uh, work for the IRS. 
and the criminal division. I have always loved our government. There are probably, no doubt, great FBI agents, great IRS agents, who are absolutely beside themselves observing what has happened. But those at the top suck, as we can see. And they are bringing into their ranks new minions that probably don't dare to challenge the authority at the top. I hope there's a huge power struggle in the FBI between the good and the bad, because there's a lot of good, but there's a lot of bad. The bad seems to be growing and increasing in its authority. It's in its imposing governmental, we can do whatever the heck we want because we're the government Nazi mentality, because that's really what it is. Out to eliminate Joe Biden's political opponents with the continuing ongoing encore performances of the night of long knives. And sadly, as I've said, the only way to have to stop it is not Donald Trump, because Donald Trump didn't stop it, and he would never did the right thing to stop it. Because I don't think he knew just how bad it was. You have to cut him off at the knees with a financial knife. As I've said, Republicans, if you don't, go into the next budget process and lop off the budget of the DOI, Department of Injustice, the FBI, IRS. If you don't lop off their budgets by 56%, then we will just simply have more problems and we will be living in Nazi Germany very, very soon. So, but how do we get here? Well, I want to cover this story that comes from a church in Florida. A Methodist church, of course, the Methodist church is pretty screwed up these days in many respects, although there are a bunch of Methodist churches that are leaving the United Methodist denomination, if you will, because they've had it with all the queer crapola that goes on all the time. Yeah, they're done with that. But how did we get here? So from this church in Florida, this is United Methodist Church in um, St. Petersburg called the Allendale United Methodist Church. During the children's sermon, they featured a drag queen. They had a drag queen come into the church by, with a slit sequin dress, a guy by the name of Ms. Pentecost. Now, in this article, it states that only two children came forward. There are probably only two children left in that stupid church. Uh, and that's two too many. They were probably afraid to come up, at least initially. When the pastor there, by the name of Andy Oliver, announced that it was time for the children's sermon, he said, and I quote, We have a special guest today. Of course, actually, who he's introducing is Satan. But... He said, "Are you?" And then so uh, Ms. Pentecost comes up, and the pastor asks him, "Are you always dressed up like this?" His answer was, "Oh, I wish," said the drag queen Isaac Simmons. Now, a little bit about Isaac: he is uh, studying to become an ordained pastor in the United Methodist Church. 
He said, I only get dressed up like this on special occasions. I kind of feel powerful when I put on a dress like this and a big wig and lots of makeup. It kind of helps me say things that I don't have the confidence to say outside of it. And he is planning to be an ordained preacher. So the pastor then references Romans 12, 2. And he tells the children that one of the things that is great about Ms. Pentecost is that she reminds us that we follow a God who calls us not to conform to things of this world. That we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That means what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And the pastor, loosely so-called, representative of hell, it's so cool that we serve a God who calls us to continue to grow and continue to change into something new. Of course, he's talking about trannyism. And to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us sometimes. That we are supposed to live differently. So, Mr. Oliver, faking it as a pastor, he's a, he's a pastor from the Church of Hell, the, the first church of one big giant bonfire. He asked the kids if they had a question for Ms. Pentecost. One girl said, I like your eyeshadow, the girl said. So, the queer in drag clothing said, Oh, thank you. Pastor says, you like her eyeshadow. That's great. Maybe she'll let you borrow it. This in a church, and this is going on all over the place. So, to the Bible. You ready? Get your pen, your paper out. I'm going to give you about 10 passages. I'm going to go through them quickly in the 18 minutes I got remaining. Write them down. And if anybody even remotely begins to challenge you in these in these areas, you bury them with these biblical verses. And they're going, ah, oh, you Bible thumper. Well, you know those things. Let's start with Deuteronomy 22.5. Let's just set the record straight right out of the gate. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, A woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination, and some versions say detestable, unto the Lord thy God. People say, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, you know what? I'm so sick of that argument. And don't even write me to tell me that. There are things that are done away in the Old Testament. The ordinances, certain ordinances and customs clearly says in the New Testament that the ordinances were nailed to the cross. Certain foods to eat and th certain sacrificial things, those were the ordinances. But God doesn't change his mind about that which is detestable, that which is abominable. And you want to add to the abomination? Just go do that and tell little kids and show little kids this horrific display of the manifestation of Satan walking across in front of the pulpit in the church. I don't say you should pray for those people. 
There are sins, as it says in Third John, there are sins that you pray about. People are caught up in a sin. And then there are some that you don't, you, you're really careful how you pray for them because you don't even want to touch or get close to the sin they're committing. And then there's a third group. So there are sins. He said, I don't, I don't tell you that you need to pray for those sins. There are some you don't pray for. All right. Okay. First verse, Deuteronomy 22.5. You got it? Romans 1.18. Romans 1.18. Now, I'm going back to the pulpits. And the pulpits, I mean, I talked to a pastor the other day, great pastor. Does he have the guts to teach on any of this? No. He wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. He said, well, some of the people have queer children and queer grandchildren. That's why you should preach on it. Become part of the problem. If you're not going to be in the way, get out of the way. If you're going to be part of the way of the truth and the life. Romans 1.18, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What did this guy do? Quoting and taking from Romans 12, holding the truth in unrighteousness. So let's take a look at the passage that this queer-loving, deep, demented pastor holds up as being the Word of God. The word which he is holding in unrighteousness and ungodliness, holding the truth and bastardizing God's word. Let's talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit from which there is no forgiveness. Well, here we go. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, already we got this Isaac Simmons who's out there in a slit sequin dress with makeup and a wig. Is he holding out his body as a living sacrifice? Is it holy? Is it acceptable unto God where we just got done reading in Deuteronomy 22.5? It's detestable and an abomination to God for a guy to put on a chick's clothing. I mean, this pastor, Oliver, it just he comes out. He's first out of the gate of hell to lead little ones astray and then bring in somebody to help close the deal. But it goes on to say in verse 2, but be, because this is what he's quoting. And be not conformed to this world, but, ye, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is what he quotes. But he doesn't finish the verse. This loser from hell doesn't have the guts to finish it because he's there on a mission from hell. You know what? what was it Ghostbusters? They were there on a mission from God. This guy's there on a mission from hell. Because how does that verse finish? That you may prove or establish or show or manifest that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will 
of God. You see, the renewing of our mind is to bring us closer and closer and making more manifest the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which isn't trannyism, transvestitism, dressing up as a chick or vice versa and calling this good and holy and an acceptable sacrifice unto God as a reasonable service. This is what's in our church. Are you still writing this stuff down? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. Actually, I start at 1 Corinthians 5, because 1 Corinthians 5 said that God is, uh, I mean, God is speaking to Paul, who is speaking to the Corinthians, who are putting up with sexual sin in the church. And Paul, speaking on behalf by the Holy Spirit, says, Are you puffed up? Why aren't you mourning this sin in your church that this person has done, this deed that might be taken away from you? Get rid of this sin. He says, For verily, as absent of the body but present in spirit, I've judged already as though I were present concerning the one that has done this deed. Paul is saying, you know, people say, well, judge not lest you be judged. Well, I'll tell you what. There are things we are commanded to judge. We're commanded to judge righteous judgment. That's what we're commanded to do. And Paul, is. this is so contrary to the Word of God, he doesn't have to hear the proof. He doesn't have to hear the testimony. The fact that it's established that this person was committing this sexual sin in the church, they didn't, they didn't deny it. The person committing it in the church didn't rebuke them. Just like Pastor Oliver in the UMC church in Florida with Isaac Simmons, one who is uh, not exactly dressing for success, So Paul makes it very clear. There's some things you can judge once you know the facts. You don't have to go any deeper than that. He said, you're supposed to deliver this person unto Satan. That's what Paul said for those who are committing sexual sin in the church. Deliver them unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh in the hopes that before this person gets totally destroyed, they might repent of their sin. That the spirit might be saved. He said, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? So these pastors that have been letting in increasingly the sins of abortion and fornication and now homosexuality and transvestitism into the churches, and they're letting it into the churches by not speaking against it. If you don't stand for it, then you've fallen for it. If you're gutless, you're gutless. To compromise with evil... To quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to compromise with evil is evil. So what does it say in the rest of this passage? Paul writes, he says, I wrote to you before not to keep company with fornicators, but not altogether with the fornicators of the world or the covetous or the extortioners or the idolaters, for then you'd have to leave the world. I didn't say that to not have contact with those people under any circumstance, contact. But it's a different story in the church. He said, but now I'm writing unto you to not keep company. Company is a different matter. In the church, he said, if a man that is called a brother, 
commits these sins. You don't keep company with them. No, you don't even eat with them. Come apart from among them and be ye separate. You don't even eat with those people that call themselves Christians and perpetrate these perversions from the pit of hell. And Paul makes it very clear. It's not confined to sexual sin, of course. He says in the next chapter, he said, Know you not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? But don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, or covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. So we know it's not genetic, because they used to be homosexual, they used to be adulterers, they used to be revilers, they used to be drunkards, they're not anymore. But if they still are, they're toast. That's it. Moving on, am I done yet? Of course not. You think I'm done? I'm never done. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Maybe I messed up here. Did I miss a verse here? Hang on. Don't get up and leave your seat. Don't go get don't go don't get up and go get popcorn. Stay right there. Uh, chapter four. I'm sorry. Chapter four, verse two. Well, verse one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Which is what this pastor is doing and a whole lot of more pastors were doing. Handling the word of God deceitfully. Oh, there was a First Corinthians, uh, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians two seventeen. I got to back up just a little bit. Write that one down. Second Corinthians two seventeen. For we are not as many are, which corrupt the word of God. Corrupt the word of God. You see, people have to have a knowledge of the word of God, like these so-called pastors, in order to corrupt them. Second Corinthians, think I'm done? No, I am not done. Sorry, program's not over yet. Second Corinthians 11, verse 13. There are those in the church, for such are false apostles. They are deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Satan has his demons in pulpits. That's what this says. If his, Satan's ministers, also are transformed or made or faking it as ministers of righteousness. Satan's minions... His demons faking as pastors, transforming as ministers. They're the first trannies. The original trannies transforming themselves as ministers of righteousness. Pretty clear to me. I didn't get that a couple of years ago, but times have changed. Think I'm done? Of course not, I'm not done. I got more word for you. Write this one down. Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verses 17 and 18. Brethren, 
Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now this is where it gets really tough. We got those who I have the sense were never saved, not even remotely saved, this fake pastor in Florida. Bring in the tranny. I mean, this guy's so corrupt, so evil. I, you know, I can't believe he was ever saved. But there are those who actually did walk the walk and talked the talk, and they've thrown it away. That they have become. That's what Paul is saying here by the Holy Spirit. They were not always enemies of the cross, but they have become enemies of the cross. So you've got some churches where there's some pastors that were pretty good and now they're sliding down the slippery slope towards Gomorrah. The slippery slope of Sodom. They're going down that direction for gutlessness and then their minds change. They become corrupted and they become the very thing that they used to preach against. Am I done? No, I'm not done. Jude 4. Jude 4. In the last days, as in like right now, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ordained of old. You can go blast John Calvin and his predestination, but there are some people, they just kind of cooked right out of the gate, it sounds like. They were ordained of old to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Where are they? Jude's telling you, they're in the church. They've crept in, unaware. They didn't notice. They came in, bogus resumes. People on the pastoral selection committee that didn't have the Spirit of God working in them, and they picked a loser. They picked somebody that crept in unaware. They somebody that came in as a tear thinking that they were a wheat. Ordained to condemnation. They were ungodly and turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. You know what lasciviousness is? It's the tendency towards sexual sin and debauchery. A looseness of morals around the edges as it relates to sin that only increases as you get, as you get deeper into it. Do I have more? Yeah, I do have more. But I don't have more time. I hope you have written these down. You see, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's there to divide asunder and tear apart, separating the joints from the marrow. What that means is, with this, you have the ability to go into any conversation and slice them and dice them when it comes to the arguments that people would throw back in your face. You will leave them speechless without anything to say. They may swear at you. They may hurl all sorts of accusations. But be of good cheer. So did the disciples receive that. So did Jesus receive it. It's a mark that you are being a good soldier. You have called out the evil that's before you. And you'll be doing a great job. God bless you all. 
Remember, sit tall in the saddle. You ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. We will see you, God willing, next week.